Hello, and welcome to the Kink Perspective. My name's Chris. I'm a psychotherapist and consultant. I want to start off by saying I apologize for not posting a podcast last week. I got quite busy. I had some new clients come in, so some things took precedence while other things got kind of set off to the side. So, getting back to the flow of things, on this episode, I want to talk about our sex drives and our sexual thoughts. I want to touch briefly on hypersexuality, what it is, also our sexual thoughts, and when there is some cause for concern about the thoughts that we have or the lifestyle that we're leading. Our sex drive, our sexual thoughts, and our desire for sex varies dramatically from one person to the next. It also varies depending on a person's preferences, their lifestyle circumstances, where they live, their age. Our sex drives can be affected by our medical conditions, hormone levels, medications we take or are prescribed, things we eat, things we drink, our lifestyle, whether or not we're in a relationship or if we're single or for having problems inside of our relationships, and so much more. When it comes to our sexual thoughts, they are built upon from the world around us. The things we see feed into our fantasies, the imagery, our advertisements. All of these things feed our mind and allow ourselves to start to formulate the things that turn us on. Many people, or even couples, will go through an early period of having a lot of sex that, over time, does decrease. For example, when you're in your late teens, when you're first getting involved, you might start having a higher sex drive. Your sex drive, your libido is going to be, especially with your hormone levels, are going to be raging. By the time you hit your 20s, it's going to be one of the most orgasmic times of your life. But the older we get, well, naturally our libido starts to slow down. We're not men aren't producing as much testosterone. Women go through menopause. So their sex drive, their libido slows down. Uh, and so on and so forth. But on the other hand, a busy life can leave some people being too tired or preoccupied to even think about sex. So if you're working a lot, it's nothing personal with your partner or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your significant other, even that casual hookup partner, you're just too busy. Unless you're truly worried about your sex drive, or if it is causing problems between you and your partner, you don't really need to seek out a professional person for help. You don't need to see a sexologist or a therapist or a counselor. You can just have a conversation between the two of you. If you feel your sex life is problematic or becoming problematic when you're single, that's a different story. Or if you're having, finding that you're in casual relationships and you're having a lot of sex constantly. I'm going to get to all that. I don't want people to start thinking, oh, you know, I'm having sex four, five, ten times a week. Is that a problem? So... What is a normal sex drive or normalized sexual thoughts? Well, there's no right or wrong level to our libidos. Frankly, there is no normal when it comes to how often you want to have sex or even think about sex. 
Sex is a biological component that is part of who we are. It's in our DNA. It's in our part of our biology to want to procreate, to keep our species moving forward. Some people have sex or feel like having sex every day, multiple times per day, multiple times per hour. Um, some people think about sex, think about masturbation at the same frequency. Others may have sex once a year or not at all. Some people really think about sex. For some, it's quite consuming. It all depends on whether and what you prefer and your life circumstances. So then how do you know if your sex drive is actually high or what constitutes too much sexualized thoughts? Well, when it comes to our sex drive, you can't. I mean, not really. Do you feel hornier? this time of the year than you did the same time last year or are you hornier this week than you were last week have you been craving sex more often than you've been used to so this week you want to get it on 10 times with your partner last week you couldn't even be bothered is your sex drive higher than your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife well you might say then you have a higher sex drive than they are, or than theirs, I should say. But there's no diagnostic test. I, you can't go to a doctor and get them to do an online quiz or stick you with a needle to figure out if your sex drive is too high. They can tell if your hormone levels are up. And if, for example, with some women find that when they're menstruating, that this affects their sexual chemistry and they want to have sex at a higher frequency. When it comes to our thoughts, fantasizing during the day, in the morning or the evening, before bed, when we're waking up, is part of our biological and natural responses to the stimuli we encounter or think about. It's when those thoughts become overwhelming or all-consuming that a problem may be existing or starting to be created. So with all of this thoughts about what's normalized, there is a flip side to this as well. What are some of the th causes that lower our sex drive or even slow our sexual thoughts? As well as the medical conditions that one can experience throughout our life, the side effects of medications that we're taking, there are a number of other causes that can lower our sex drive or reduce our intimate thoughts, and they're not limited. You could have performance anxiety, Worrying, typically when we're younger, are we doing it right? Are we doing it good enough? Are they happy? Are they going to reach orgasm? For some, they may not care. What about being tired? Well, feeling fatigue is quite common for a reason, uh, quite a common reason why our sex drive is quite lowered. For others, it could be a lack of timing or even privacy. It's hard to find that intimate time. I know we hear these fantasies all the time about people sneaking off to the bedroom closet or they're at work and they go into the storage room. Well, barring aside all of the glitz and glamour of the penthouse forums, that doesn't happen as often as people like to make it out to believe. So privacy is a big issue. But sometimes you got to make it. Maybe go out for a drive with your significant other. Go to a secluded spot. What about familiarity? 
a couple's desire to, for sex or the thoughts that they're having does lessen over time. This is proven. We have to learn about communicating. In the beginning, when we're in a relationship, we're all over each other. We don't want to keep our hands off of each other. We want to hold hands. We want to kiss. But it slows down. It slows down because usually one thing that starts to break down is our communication. Our desires as viewing them as sexually desirable. It doesn't change, but our perspectives and our expectations change. And this is where communication and discussing these things is paramount. Well, another one that are some big ones, and I'm going to kind of touch base on the mental health issue here. Depression, stress, anxiety. If you're taking medications for any of these, these all, all these mental health conditions, they don't preclude somebody from having sex. They don't preclude somebody from wanting or desiring sex or thinking about sex. But researchers have found that certain stress hormones can lessen sexual desire and our response. If you're upset, you know, you might withdraw from the activity. I know people that have told me, I've had couples that have come in that have been married for 15, 20 years. They've talked about when um, they've been ill, physically ill, so with a cold, but their partner, specifically the wife, wanted to have sex. He wasn't into it, so he just made the deal, I'll lay there and you do what you got to do. He wasn't overly motivated, but he still had wanted to gratify and satisfy his wife. Physical activity is another one. Um, sometimes too much. So athletes have reported that high levels of physical activity actually have slowed their hormone responses into their sex drive. Their sexual thoughts, that's a different story. Sometimes those are elevated, but more often than not, in a couple of the clinical trials that I've read, they're just lowered because of distraction. They're focused on their careers. They're focused on their activity. And this is where they channel the majority of their energy. Now, conversely, those who have very little physical activity in their lives can lose a lot of their drive for sex because, well, it does come down to, again, hormones. That laziness factor that comes in when we don't have that personal motivation because we're not feeling our best or we're always feeling run down, that plays an important factor. Post-traumatic stress or traumas, especially involving assault, without a doubt impact our sexual desires. They impact our sexual thoughts. They impact the way we feel about trusting or wanting to get close to someone else. Finally, one of the bigger ones, age. I hate to tell everybody, but as we get older, not everyone continually keeps up their sex drive. And for all of these things, obviously, sex drive starts when we're in our teen years. It really begins when during that hormonal build. From there, as we start heading north in age... Our 20s and our 30s, our 20s are usually our best decade of sex. For the most part, they are. We're starting to focus on our careers. We're out of school. We're usually out of the home nest. 
we're moving forward through our independence. We're starting to understand that there is a complete world around us that we enjoy, we codify, and we think about in a sexualized manner. And it's okay to have these thoughts. As we move through this time, we may settle into relationships or we may just be in a series of open ones. We might find ourselves in a polyamorous relationship or a monogamous relationship. As we start heading in towards our 30s and 40s, the stress of the real world starts to change our perceptions. Our 30s and our 40s become those times of stress, family, ownership, responsibility. If we're going to buy a new car, if I'm going to take that long away to trip. It doesn't mean that our thoughts of having sex or our sex drive are completely eliminated during this time. But our focus changes. The things we want, the priorities in our life change. And I'm not saying just because you're in your 20s, all you think about is sex. But it is a biological component. So now I kind of want to start focusing on the other side of, and I know I really haven't expanded too much on hypersexuality, this all-encompassing desire to have sex all the time, um, leading to promiscuous or even risky behaviors or what happens to our thoughts. I don't really want to go too much into hypersexuality. First off, it's still being quite researched. Second, it's a really a topic for its own. But I do want to touch base here on when things, when our sex drive or when our thoughts starts start to become a problem. Your sex drive can, is a problem if either you think it's a problem or your sex drive is leading you to act in a way that interferes with the rest of your life. And I'm talking about a daily basis. If, for example, you're skipping work, you're starting to cheat on your significant other, you're constantly buying new sex toys to satisfy your sexual urges and your impulses. If you start to engage in risky behavior through unprotected sex where you might be exposing yourself to STIs or other diseases because of your sex drive, that's when you can start to know it's problematic. Conversely, with your thoughts, if you're spending hours upon hours watching pornography, downloading imagery, if you feel like you can't escape imagery, or this all you're seeing, everything around you, your mind is sexualizing. If you see an increase in the levels of sexualized thoughts going outside of the realm of the norm, where you may place yourself or someone else in danger, that's when your thoughts are becoming problematic. In these instances, in these few examples that I've kind of laid out, working with a mental health care professional is an absolute imperative. These are the people that are going to help you come up with a game plan, develop a strategy, and create some coping mechanisms for you to live a normal, healthy, and happy life. But what I want you to understand is, even though your sex drive can spike It can be a great excuse to get down with yourself, your significant other, or have some fun. If you're single, people think, oh, well, what am I going to do about my sex drive? Well, there is masturbation in the realm of BDSM. If you're not overly keen on having penetration sex, you can try something like having mutual masturbation together 
or just having one person perform oral sex on somebody else, as long as obviously everybody's consenting. There are ways to change this, change things around so it's always new, exciting, and inventive. It's just when it crosses these lines that it becomes problematic. Something else to keep in the back of your mind, especially if you're starting to have thoughts or issues with your sex drive, is staying away from social media. Places like FetLife, CollarMe, Cuffs.com, Alt.com, Instagram, where we can see some of these hypersexualized stories or imagery or interact with people on different levels all contributes to the beliefs and the fantasies that we have but also can feed the problems that are already pre-existing within us and they don't really help so it is at that point if you're on a lot of social media it's a good point to kind of step back while we're talking about social media especially with hypersexuality as i see this word pop up quite often people will say i'm hypersexual and i see these posts quite often on instagram or especially in writings on like fetlife or on alt the reality is and there was a study conducted a couple of years ago by the taylor francis group that only about three to six percent of the total population is even remotely classified with the hypersexual disorder the reality is too is that psychologists believe it's derived through another mental illness so there's something else going on that's problematic and while it's compulsive sexual behavior it has different listings through the who obviously i don't want to go too much into that either but Take it with a grain of salt when you start seeing people say, I'm hypersexual, I'm hypersexual. Self-diagnosis doesn't work that way. You're not just hypersexual because you want to have sex five times a day. There are a lot of other mitigating factors. And I tend to take this into consideration when I'm speaking with clients who are, have these concerns. Conversely, if you're someone looking to have sex all the time and you run into a significant other and you're both telling each other, well, we're hypersexual, try not to self-diagnose because being having hypersexuality disorder, it's not something that we should be relishing. We're not celebrating the fact that we have a mental health problem. I want to give some final takeaways here because I don't want to leave everybody thinking that having a high sex drive is something to be ashamed of or feel bad or, or thinking about sex. For the most part, having sex is great. It keeps your immune system humming. It actually does wonders for your immune system. It helps with women's bladder control. It lowers your blood pressure. It, you know, for the most part, counts as exercise. It lowers your risk for heart attack. I mean, if that's not a great reason to hop in bed, I don't know what else is, especially when those of us who are getting older are looking for reasons not to have heart attacks. Did you know that it uh, lessens pain? So if you're having a headache or you're not feeling your best, that sometimes having an orgasm actually is the body's natural, natural way of reducing this. It can, for men, it lowers our chances at prostate cancer. By and large, who doesn't like to fall asleep after having sex? Did you know it makes you sleep better? even eases stress. I mean, that one's a no-brainer. But 
I also wanted to let you know, not just on the physical side, what about our mental side? Well, having sexual thoughts or fantasies, especially when you're, I want to talk about if you're single first. If you're single, you're out dating and eventually you're going to meet someone and, and engage. You're bringing in a new openness and adventurers into your bedroom life. Fantasies are free. They're, they can help you relieve stress. And let's clear the air here. It's not just men who masturbate. Women masturbate too. The numbers are quite on par with who does more when. But that's a different discussion for a different day. But fantasies are a great way to relieve that stress at the end of the day. Or if you're not even feeling your best, sometimes to help you retain focus. Sexual fantasies are another great way to keep ourselves empowered and knowing what we want or exploring something new. Another great aspect is when we start to think about fantasies and having sex with someone. Sometimes we're not always just fantasizing about our partners, and that's okay. Sometimes we are fantasizing about an actor or an actress or an athlete or maybe the bartender or barista down the street. Having those thoughts are innocent, and there's nothing wrong with them. It's only problematic in your life if your sex drive or your sexual thoughts are starting to impact the way you live. Maybe this little bit of understanding has provided some sense of a relief. I hope it has. Maybe it's caused you more stress. And then consequently, I hope, or that wasn't the intended message here. It's just to understand where we are at with our physical and cognitive sides when it comes to sex, the benefits and the downsides. Until next time, everyone, be safe and stay kinky.